Well, please turn with me in our Bibles this morning uh, to Mark's Gospel. And turning to Mark chapter 12. Mark chapter 12 and reading at verse 28. Mark chapter 12 at verse 28, and you'll find this on page 848 in the church Bibles. This is God's word. And one of the scribes came up and heard them disputing with one another, and seeing that he answered them well, asked him, which commandment is the most important of all? Jesus answered, The most important is, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, and with all your soul, and with all your mind, and with all your strength. The second is this, You shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. And the scribe said to him, You are right, teacher. You have truly said that he is one, and there is no other beside him. And to love him with all the heart, and with all the understanding, and with all the strength, and to love one's neighbor as oneself, is much more than all whole burnt offerings and sacrifices. And when Jesus saw that he answered wisely, he said to him, You are not far from the kingdom of God. And after that, no one dared to ask him any more questions. Questions are asked uh, for many different reasons. And maybe you like to ask questions. Maybe you don't like asking questions. I can remember in school, uh, in the classroom, when uh, the teacher would be teaching that there might be something in my head that I was wondering about, but I would be too afraid to ask the question. I didn't know how my question would come across. Would it it be clear? Uh, Would it be understandable? I didn't know if the teacher would think it was a good question or maybe people might think this is a silly question. But questions are good. Uh, Questions are helping us think about a matter and they're ultimately going to lead us to understanding uh, truths and to come to an answer. Uh, It's how we learn. And so asking questions is a good thing. We should ask questions. And as we turn to Mark's gospel this morning, you remember that many questions have been asked of Jesus. But some of these questions that have been posed to Jesus were really traps, weren't they? The intention behind them was not to learn, but it was rather to get Jesus into trouble. They were trying to twist things so that Jesus would say something that they could use against him. You remember how the Pharisees and the Herodians came to Jesus asking, should we pay taxes to Caesar or not? Uh, Caesar is someone who's making himself into a god. He's a pagan, uh, but he's trying to deify himself. Is it right to pay taxes to someone who is trying to take the worship of God and to direct it unto himself? And so it was a thorny question that they were posing to Jesus intending to trap him. But you also remember there was another question that was asked to Jesus. It was by the Sadducees. They said, 
they were asking Jesus about the afterlife. They were asking Jesus about the resurrection that the Bible teaches. And they were again trying to get Jesus to speak uh, about that topic. But this morning we're looking at another question in Mark 12. And it's important that as we come to it, you notice that this question is very different than the other questions. Not only are the other questions being formed by groups, and this is by one single individual that wants a private uh, interaction with Jesus, but it's different in the sense of the motive. Whereas the, uh, the Pharisees came wanting to trap Jesus, to get him in trouble, this person that comes to Jesus comes to Jesus wanting to learn. There is no uh, uh, ulterior motive. There's no hint or any sign of any negative or hostile uh, sentiment on the part of this individual. Instead, it is a question uh, seeking to understand what Jesus would say on this matter of the law. And so this morning, we want to, to look at uh, this question that is posed because questions are good and they are ultimately leading us to answers. This man who comes to Jesus is uh, described simply as one of the scribes. A scribe, you remember, is one of the religious experts. Uh, they are someone who have studied and studied and studied the law of God. That is their occupation. In time past, their job was the writing, the copying of the manuscripts. They were those who were the professional scribers. They were the ones who copied down. But over time, they were those who were uh, experts in the interpretation of that writing as well. They could give you the sense of what the law was commanding. And so this individual who comes to Jesus is, you could say, an expert in the law himself. And yet, he's still willing to ask questions. Um, questions are not just to be asked when we don't know anything. Even people who know a lot can ask questions because they still can learn and we can still uh, be enriched by asking questions. And that's what this man is doing. He comes as someone who knew the law, asking Jesus about the law to see how Jesus would uh, think about the whole issue of the commands of God and to make sense of them. And so he comes to Jesus and uh, he asks the question, which commandment is the most important of all? In the Old Covenant, the people of God, the, the teachers, actually sat down and went through their scriptures. And they tried to find all the times when God was telling them to do something or not to do something. And they got up to 600, over 600 commandments uh, that they could find, that they could list and itemize and categorize. They had, uh, uh, most of them were negative. 365 of those commands were negative and 248 of those commands were positive. So you have 613 commandments that they found in the scriptures. And the man comes to Jesus and he says, with all of these commandments, Jesus, how do you, how do you go about handling them? What's the sum of the law of God. What is, what is central when we think about God's will for how we live our lives? And it's a very important question because it's one in which there was, there was differences of how people thought about the law. There were some people who would say, you have 613 commandments and every one of those commandments is of equal importance. 
that they are all the exact same weight to them. And then there were others that would say, there are commandments, and then there are greater commandments. They would use the language, the vocabulary. They would talk about small and big, or small and large. They would talk about light and heavy. There are some that are more foundational, that they have a, a greater importance to them, in the sense that they, are, they, they come underneath everything else, and that these things are extensions of those commandments. And you know, Jesus himself used vocabulary that was reminiscent of that. You remember how in other occasions Jesus would talk about uh, the, the weightier matters of the law. In one of his woes to the Pharisees, he said, Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you tithe mint and dill and cumin and have neglected the weightier matters of the law. They got right down into the fine details of tithing their, their, their garden harvest. They were getting right down into these little minutiae of the details. And then Jesus said, but you're forgetting, you're forgetting the big things, the weightier matters of, of justice, of righteousness, of mercy. You're, you're, you're so focused on these little details that you missed the big details. And so Jesus himself could speak in that language of small and great or light and heavy. And so he's coming to Jesus and he is saying to him, what's primary? If, if you're going to tell someone that they should honor God's commands without telling them 613 things that they have to do, what do you tell them should guide their life? What is to be their, their rule of life? How do, you, how do you bring it all together? And it's that question that we want to look at this morning. And we want to see how Jesus uh, uh, explains the commands of God and how ultimately uh, it is, uh, he does that in two ways, one by assessing the law and one by assessing the man himself. But as we're looking at this, we want to see that at the center of God's commandments is love. And that because God has loved us, we are to be people who live in response or showing love ourselves uh, with all our heart uh, to God and our neighbor as ourselves. We want to think then first on the assessment of the law. Jesus uh, begins to answer the man's question there in verse 29. Jesus answered and said, The most important is, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. Jesus is able to answer this man's question, but he's able to answer the man's question by directing him how he comes to that conclusion. He answers it by using scripture itself, showing him that this is what scripture itself would lead us to the conclusion of. Deuteronomy 6 is what we read this morning. And we said it was after the second giving of the law. But in Deuteronomy 6, it begins with those words, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. That is a very famous passage in the scriptures. That in the Old Covenant, that would have been known as the Shema. Because the first word, hear or listen, is the word Shema. It would have been a word, a passage that would have been recited every day for the Israelites. This was a passage they would know. They would know the Lord is one. 
And he is our Lord, and we are to love him with all our heart and all our soul and all our strength. That was what the law taught them. And they were to be constantly shaped by that instruction. And so Jesus here begins by answering their question, but he does it by quoting scripture. And Jesus is able to say that when we think about what is most important about God's commands, 613 commands, Jesus begins by saying, love. You shall love the Lord your God. But he doesn't just say love. He says, you're not just to acknowledge God, you're to love him. You're not just to love God, you're to love him with all your heart, with every fiber in your being. That your calling in life is to be completely devoted to God. That everything about your life is to be done to the glory of God. That that is what God desires. That's the standard that God has set. And that is what uh, the scriptures themselves uh, teach. And Jesus here then is talking about the law in relational categories. That a big long list of commands, do this, don't do that, do this, don't do that, can feel very cold and concrete. But Jesus is saying the law is summarized by one's relation with God. Everything that you're doing is to be born out of the love, the devotion that you have towards God. And so when you think about the law, the law is the way that you express your delight in God. The law is an expression of the relationship uh, uh, with God over all things. But Jesus, what is striking in Jesus' answer here is the man says, what is the greatest commandment. And you would think that Jesus would just give him one commandment, but Jesus doesn't. He says the greatest commandment, and then he quotes from Deuteronomy 6, talking about loving God. But then he feels it necessary to say, and the second, which comes off of that, is to love our neighbor as ourself. Again, he's quoting there from Leviticus. He's quoting from the Old Testament. That's what the law taught. You were to love your neighbor as yourself. And Jesus explains to us our neighbor is actually anyone who in God's providence that we share our lives with, that is our neighbor. And we're to love them to the same degree that we take care of ourselves. That's the ideal of what God desires uh, for his people. And so Jesus here is stressing what is uh, great. But while it is clarifying what is greatest, instead of having this big long list of things that we do and don't do, Jesus can reduce it all back down to saying, you think about it this way. There's a vertical answer and there's a horizontal answer. You are to love God and you are to love others. That's what the commands of God's word are all about. All 600 of them can be brought back to those two thoughts. And so Jesus is actually giving us a very helpful answer here about how do we think about God's commandments. But it's also convicting. Because when you stop and you think about your own life, have you loved God with every fiber of your being? Who can say that? 
That we are people that are drawn after sin because there is something that entices us. That we are people that find ourselves unwilling and undesiring of maybe prayer or even coming out to church. That, that if we're honest with ourselves, to love God with that degree is not something that we see realized in our lives. But even on that secondary aspect, we fall short on, which might sound surprising, that we don't love our neighbor as ourselves. That we might think that there, at least, we're doing pretty good. We might think, I don't do anything to another person that I wouldn't want them to do to me. But do you hear that that is actually in a negative form? Don't do to someone else what you don't want them to do to you is not necessarily loving. It is conflict avoiding. It's avoiding trouble. Don't do to someone what you don't want them to do to you. But love is something positive. Love is something directional. Love is something that is enriching. As we were looking at last week, love is something that is enriching. It is something that builds up another. And say, to love another person then is not to be thought of in negative categories. To love another person is to give oneself to another in a way that builds them up. It is to serve another for their betterment. And so when Jesus says we are called to love one another, it is calling us to do a lot more than to avoid harming. It is calling us to build them up. We can do lots of things. We, we can be busy helping uh, people all around us. And we might think, no, I've got this. I, I, I love my neighbor because I do all these good things. But again, think, Jesus is saying, do you love your neighbor as yourself? And do you love all your neighbors? Or do you love those who appreciate your love? It can be very easy to simply revert back to, I love those who appreciate when I do good for them. But if someone doesn't care when I'm loving them, then I pull back. And again, that can be reductionistic. That is pulling back from what the law of God is calling us to. We are to love those not who are worthy, but we're to love those who are placed in our circle by God's providence. So Jesus here is saying something very clarifying. What is central? God's law. The Old Testament is very big. I can't read it all. What is it telling me I'm supposed to do? The law of God is telling you to love God with your entire being and to love others as you take care of yourself. Jesus here then is clarifying what the law is all about. Uh, But as he gives this answer, he's actually, there's wisdom in it too. Because Jesus, in answering this man's question the way he does, he avoids two extremes. One extreme that he avoids is the danger of what you might call mysticism, which can creep into religious circles where people think and focus only on a love of God, but they disconnect their love of God from the way that they live their lives. They only think about the vertical. They're only thinking about Am I, am I doing things for God? Am I expressing thanks to God? But then when it comes to how they relate to others, how they treat those in their uh, life's experience, they cut that off from as being irrelevant. It's no longer on their spotlight. But the opposite extreme 
is the danger of what we might call humanism. When the love of God is severed and people just want to talk about the love of neighbor. And what happens there is when we cut off a, a focus on a love for God, we have cut off the source of love and we've left the idea of loving my neighbor as something subjective. What does it actually mean to love my neighbor if love itself is undefined? And so here Jesus is actually helping us avoid two different extremes. He's helping us to know the importance of loving God and loving neighbor. The two go together. In our culture, we, are, we talk a lot about loving one another. But we need to bring back that idea that loving one another is based on a, a, a foundational love for God. That to love one another, to agree about what it means to love one another, is, is reflective of our understanding of what love itself is. So Jesus here gives a good summary or assessment about the law. He answers the man's question, what is most important? Love God and love one another. But then there's more to this. There's the assessment that he gives of the man. The scribe answered Jesus, and he said to him, You are right, teacher. You have truly said that he is one, and there is no other besides him. And to have him, uh, and to love him with all the heart, and with all the understanding, with all the strength, and to love one's neighbor as oneself, is much more than all whole burnt offerings and sacrifices. It's, it's a little surprising. We might expect the scribe here who has devoted himself to the study of all of those commands, who was an expert in the law, to give preference to understanding the minutia of the details of the law. This is what he has given himself to, the importance of getting all those details right, understanding the ceremonies, understanding the sacrifices. You've got to do it the right way. But he understands something here. He makes an assessment. He says, Jesus, you're right. That, that loving God and loving neighbor is the heart of the commandments. And that it's more important than the sacrifices and all these burnt offerings. By saying that, the scribe is not denying the validity of all of what was happening in the sacrificial system. He's not denigrating it and saying it has no, no value. What he's doing there is he's saying the exact same thing that the Old Testament said. The Old Testament said all these sacrifices are empty apart from love. That all of these outward things must be grounded in a devotion to God and an aim to delight in him. It's what we read in 1 Samuel it says, behold, to obey is better than sacrifice, to listen than the fat of rams. It's what Hosea said, for I desire steadfast love and mercy, the knowledge of God rather than burnt offerings. It's what Micah said when he said, will the Lord be pleased with a thousands of rams and ten thousands of rivers of oil? Shall I give my firstborn for my transgression, the firstborn of my body for the sin of my soul? He has told you, O man, what is good. What does the Lord require of you but to do justice, to love kindness, and to walk humbly with your God? That 
The sacrificial system was ordained by God, but those things needed to be expressed and built on a foundation of love, a response uh, to God's uh, revelation. And we understand that, don't we? You think if someone comes and gives you a gift, but if they give you the gift and they just drop it before you and turn and walk away, or they don't even make eye contact when they give you the gift, then the gift becomes empty. That they're not genuinely showing a concern or a care in the gift, but rather the gift is almost just something devoid or separate from them. When someone gives you a gift, you want to know that it is expressing their own heart's desire. And here God is expressing the same thing. These sacrifices are meant to be consistent with what is going on in the inner person. And so Jesus here, uh, is, uh, after saying all this, the, the man responds by agreeing with Jesus. You're right. What is central is love for God and a love for others. So we have to ask ourselves, uh, do we find ourselves agreeing with this scribe? Do we find ourselves agreeing with Jesus, really? Do we agree that what is most important is to love God and to love our neighbor? Or do you want to live your life severing those and only focus on loving our neighbor and leaving the whole idea of love subject to one's own interpretation? Here, we see uh, this expert in the law agreeing again with Jesus. Earlier, when he first came to Jesus, he came to Jesus because he was impressed with him. He heard Jesus answer the Pharisees. And he heard Jesus answer the Sadducees. And he heard that he had answered them well. Jesus was right in what he was saying. And now for a third time, he asks Jesus a question. And he is again impressed with Jesus' answer. Jesus gets it right again, even when it comes to what the purpose of the law is. And so he, he expresses his affirmation that you are right, teacher. And when Jesus heard the man's answer, he answered him thoughtfully and said, you are not far from the kingdom of God. The man had asked Jesus about his assessment about the law, but now Jesus is giving him his own assessment of the man's standing with respect to the kingdom. Jesus not only assumes the right to speak on the matters of the commandments of God, but on one standing before God. But what was Jesus saying when he says, you are not far from the kingdom of God? Jesus was saying, the scribe has affirmed something important. He has, he has embraced something that is key. That, that love for God and love for the neighbor is primary. And that he understands it's not just the doing of all these things. It's not just a list, an arbitrary or an, uh, an abstract list that you're trying to check off. That it is relational. That this man understands that. He, there's a degree in which this man has come to understand things clearly. Uh, clearer. And so Jesus here is impressed by that and highlights that and encourages him by saying that uh, the, he uh, has answered well. And so Jesus uh, affirms that this man has gained an important truth. We are to love our neighbor. We are to love God. 
But, he says, he is not far from the kingdom of God. To be not far is to be not yet in the kingdom of God. He understood what the law was about. But he still needed to be born again. He still needed to understand that he failed there. That he didn't love God with every fiber in his being. And that he didn't love his neighbor as himself. But more than that, he needed to know, he needed to discover the love of God. That this is what he's called to. But he needed to come to understand God's love. Which is the foundation for how the people of God live. The love of God that is ultimately expressed in Jesus Christ. That God shows his love by sending his son into this world. That while we were yet enemies, Christ died for us. That is God's love. And he has shown it in order to bring deliverance uh, from our sin. So those who come to believe in God's love not only affirm the aim of loving God, but they will express love as a result of God's love. They will be constantly drawing from the, uh, the reservoir. They'll be drawing from the well of God's love, in other words. That knowing God's love for them, they will return love for God. They will, they will be able to show love to others to some degree. Not perfectly, but they're able to draw from something that gives them a, an ability to show love in response. And that's what uh, this man needs to come to discover. He needs to come to discover the love of God for sinners, for a sinner such as him. And so here Jesus can affirm this expert in the law gets something about the commands. He's not far, but he's not yet in. Sometimes when we go for drives, it's not long before someone in the car says, are we there yet? And sometimes the driver can say, it's not far. We're, we're, we're getting close. That most of the way, most of the heavy work has been done. If you're not far, it's highlighting that if you continue in this trajectory, you will come to your destination. You can come to your desired location. Jesus here tells the scribe, you're not far. You've come a long way because you understand what God's revelation is all about. It's about love. The question is, have you come to discover that love in God? Have you come to discover that God loves sinners and that you're one? Have you come to embrace that love in Jesus Christ? Where are you at this morning? Are you on the outside of God's kingdom looking in? Are you content with being not far? Or have you come to embrace the king who is the gift of love from God the Father? Have you come to see the source of love? What is God's commandments? It's to love God with every fiber in your being. That's what Jesus did. Jesus came into this world and with every fiber in his being, he loved his father. And he loved his neighbor as his self. He laid down his life. That's love. And the source of love 
becomes the basis for living out that love ourselves. When we have known the love of God in Christ, then we begin to show that love in the way that we live. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we do pray that as we think about the commandments of God, we pray that you would help us to see that it shapes us in how we live. Lord, forgive us for the ways in which we have fallen short and help us, Lord, to understand not only our own hearts, but we pray most uh, importantly that we would see the love of God in Christ. So go before us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.